I just, just feel sort of far away, Jack said. He moved his gaze over his mother's left ear and encountered William's stony eyes. Hastily he moved his gaze again over William's ear and then met Rosie's interested stare. You do look queer, she said. Then Mrs. Fosdyke put her oar in. And no wonder, she said deflatingly, a fry-up like that first thing. I should have felt queer, a plateful like that. I did tell him, Mrs. Bagthorpe, a grapefruit's what you want, I told him, and get your vitamins. Pravings. Jack could have killed her. Oh, well, perhaps that's it, Mrs. Bagthorpe sounded relieved. There's enough to worry about. Nobody else feels as if they've got delayed shock, do they? I do, said Mr. Bagthorpe. So what are you going to do about it? He was ignored. He did not mean it. He was just making dialogue, as he did in his TV scripts, and as nobody else in the family got paid for doing this, they did not see why they should play his game. The remark at least drew attention off Jack, who, despite Mrs. Fosdyke's untimely intervention, began to feel that he had established some sort of interest in his condition. When Mrs. Bagthorpe said, "'You three help Mrs. Fosdyke clear and wash up. Jack, you sit where you are and have a nice hot cup of coffee.' he decided to mark up his performance as the first authentic, mysterious impression of the day. The second was equally difficult to achieve. Jack had always known that his family was an unusually active one, even overactive, but he had never before realized how difficult it was to pin one of its members down and look him or her in the eye. It is very difficult to look people in the eye when they are reading Voltaire or trying to contact a radio ham in Puerto Rico or painting a portrait. Rosie had already begun on a second attempt at a birthday portrait of Grandma. Grandma had said she had better because of the way she felt. She didn't think she would see another birthday. Mr. and Mrs. Bagthorpe were going to inspect the damage to the knoll, and Mrs. Fosdyke, as Jack now knew, was a congenital non-receiver of impressions, mysterious or otherwise. He decided in the end to try Rosie and Grandma because both of them seemed basically bored by the idea of the sitting, and would be more likely to spare a glance for himself. Grandma had opted for having her portrait painted with the burned-out shell of the dining-room as a background. Mrs. Bagthorpe had protested that this was morbid and unnatural, but Grandma was adamant. It was a sign, she said. You can't just toss it aside as if it were a mere bubble in the wind. I think I was meant to have my portrait painted in there. If I was not, it wouldn't have burned down. The logic of this was at the same time hard to follow and irrefutable, and Mrs. Bagthorpe had let it go. There was certainly no time to argue with Grandma today. She and her husband had set off to the knoll, the latter fulminating. "'It's all go,' he said. "'Yesterday a fire, today a fire, and on Monday a funeral.' "'A funeral?' shrieked Grandma. "'Whose?' "'Daisy's,' he replied, "'if I've anything to do with it.' Mr. and Mrs. Bagthorpe drove off, and the sitting began. Jack sat very quietly to begin with. Grandma, against advice, was sitting on the one remaining dining chair. It had only just survived, and was very charred up and shaky, so Grandma was sitting gingerly. She definitely looked as if she was sitting on a chair she expected to collapse at any moment. In some ways Jack could see this was a good thing, because it gave her a more than usually wide-awake expression. When Rosie had been sketching for a while, he peered over to look. He saw that Rosie was getting plenty of the burned-out background in. She had liked this idea as well as Grandma, and said it would give the portrait atmosphere and make it stand out. 
as yet, Grandma's face had no features, and it still looked like the one that had gone up in flames. It was hard to think of anything to say about the portrait in its present state, but Jack thought he had better try, in case his silence was misconstrued as disapproval. He did not, however, attempt anything like a critical appraisal. "'Jolly good, Rosie,' he said. "'I like the way you've got those tattered curtains dangling at the back.' "'What about me?' demanded Grandma. "'How am I going?' "'Jolly well, Grandma,' he assured her. "'It's going to be much better than the other one when it's finished.' "'It'll be the last, of course,' Grandma remarked. "'Last night put years on me.' "'If you could last a few more years, you'd get a better portrait,' Rosie said, opening up her paints. "'Everyone seems to keep forgetting I'm only eight, and expects me to be Augustus John or Leonardo da Vinci or something. I think if I get my portraits looking even a bit like people, they ought to be satisfied.' "'You're putting my eyes in, I hope,' Grandma inquired suspiciously. "'And my nose?' Jack stepped hastily in to save Rosie. "'I have a feeling,' he said, quite off the cuff, "'a strange feeling that you will live to be a hundred, Grandma.' "'Whatever is the child saying?' said Grandma. She looked keenly at him, and Jack, who was getting to recognize cues when they occurred, allowed his eyes to move slowly past her right ear. There he saw roast beef and Yorkshire pudding swimming in gravy and surrounded by crisp roast potatoes. "'Why?' he heard Grandma demand. "'Do you not look me straight in the eye when I speak to you?' Jack held his roast beef steady and murmured, "'I see... I see... "'What are you looking at?' A note of alarm had crept into Grandma's voice. "'Is there someone behind me?' It was at this point that Jack overstepped the mark. If he had kept his head, and simply passed a hand over his eyes, and shaken himself, and said dreamily, Oh, oh, that was queer. Where am I? A mysterious impression would have been created without any unwelcome side effects. But Grandma's suggestion that there might be somebody behind her gave Jack such scope for expansion that he could not resist it. By means of adding treacle tart and custard to his vision, he deepened his gaze, and said again, I see, I see. Grandma, who was a game old lady, did not wait for him to say what he saw. She turned rapidly in her charred chair to see for herself. The chair broke, and Grandma went sideways. Jack and Rosie both leapt to her aid, and the paints and easel went over. Everything was very confused from then on. Tess and Mrs. Fosdyke arrived on the scene. William did not hear the racket because he had headphones on. Grandma was lying on the sodden carpet, refusing to be helped up. "'I shall stay here until I am able to get up by myself,' Grandma kept saying, while Rosie was sobbing over her ruined portrait. She accused Jack of having staged the whole thing on purpose to pay her back for beating him at swimming. This he hotly denied, and a first-class row developed, during which he told Rosie what he had really thought of her portrait anyway. First portrait I've ever seen without eyes and nose,' he said, "'since yesterday, anyway.' At this, Grandma, who had half raised herself up, sank back again. "'No eyes!' she cried despairingly. "'No nose, no mouth! How could you, Rosie?' "'I hadn't finished!' Poor Rosie redoubled her sobs. "'It would have been lovely. I was going to have done eyes and things.' Grandma was not really listening. I think I know a sign when I see one, she was saying. To herself, mainly. There can have been few people in history 
who have had their birthday cake go up in flames and two birthday portraits ruined in less than a day. Even Job had his troubles spaced out. If ever I do manage to move from here, I shall probably go to bed and stay there. Oh, come along, Grandma, do let me help you, pleaded Tess. I've got a judo club meeting in half an hour, and I can't go and leave you there. I'm the oldest while William has his headphones on. Two portraits in twenty-four hours, Grandma went on. Eyeless portraits, noseless, mouthless. It's horrible. At this, Rosie flung her ruined portrait down, stamped on it, and ran from the room. Then Mr. and Mrs. Bagthorpe returned, the former in an even worse mood than when he had left. He and Uncle Parker had had a few savage exchanges and parted, which was why the visit had been so brief. Finding Grandma on the floor did not improve his temper. At first he thought she was lying down there because this was how she wanted to pose. "'I suppose you think you look like Ophelia,' he inquired sarcastically, "'or a reclining muse.' At this point Jack slunk off to join Zero. He had a definite feeling that whatever was later remembered of this whole episode, it would not be his own mysterious impression.'